I'm incredibly happy to be with you all this morning. My name is Father Stephen Pellissier, and as of December 1st on paper, but Friday of this weekend, uh, in reality, I am the pastor here at Our Lady Queen of All Saints. Whether that's a good or bad thing, we'll find out, but I'm willing to try it out with you. Um, I just want to let you know this is going to be a longer homily than normal, but I want to say kind of who I am and then the things that I care about to start this conversation about the vision that we will have of Our Lady Queen of All Saints. So first, who I am. Um, simply, my mom is from Ville Platte. My grandparents were uh, Georgiana uh, Laverne, or Sylvester, and Norman Vidrine, or better known as Batiste, around here. Uh, my dad is from Lafayette. I'm a Lafayette High graduate of 2010. I went to LSU for two years, and then I went to seminary. My first summer assignment was here, actually, just 10 years ago, and with Father Mitch Gidry. And I was ordained in 2018. Uh, with the likes of Father Blake Dubrock, who was uh, parochial vicar at Sacred Heart uh, from 2018 to 2020. And then I served in my first assignment at St. Bernard in Brobridge with Father Garrett McIntyre, who was also parochial vicar at Sacred Heart uh, in Ville Platte. And after that, I served from uh, 2020 up until now at... Um, our Lady Seat of Wisdom on UL's campus with Father Sibley, who is a parochial vicar at Sacred Heart in Ville Platte as well, as well as pastor in Mamou from 2008 to 2010, and then the last two and a half years with Father Patrick Broussard. So um, I am incredibly blessed and grateful to uh, begin my first time being pastor here. So um, like I said, we'll see how it goes. Um, now some things about myself. I would describe myself um, as someone who can have about two hobbies at a time, but be very obsessed with them. Realistically, about one hobby at a time. Uh, one thing I've realized about myself, I grew up um, one of three boys, so a competitive environment that expressed itself through sports which now team sports are not acceptable for adults because it shows that you have yet to grow up. So I have now accepted the other side of that um, and just said, well, why don't I just prepare for my 70s? So uh, that has crystallized itself uh, since April in an obsession with pickleball. So uh, yeah, that's, that's one way in which I'll waste time. Um, the other way in which, which I'll waste time because I'll certainly kill more time than animals, is uh, in hunting. So specifically a lot of deer hunting, uh, but ducks and squirrels will do just fine. So don't hesitate to invite. Um, I am also eat multiple times a day, you know, and if I were to prefer to eat alone or with people, the answer is usually people. So um, don't hesitate to invite me uh, in that regard as well, although, I do recall one of the only lessons I recall from my time here uh, 10 years ago was Father Mitch Gidry describing to me a certain condition uh, peculiar to this area that was called the Villeplat tumor that started from the bottom of the sternum and ended 
to the top of the hips. And so to avoid that, I want to institute a policy effective immediately that I will not be accepting entire pies, entire cakes, uh, entire pots of gumbo, um, anything that will keep my heart beating uh, and yours. So we can, we can do this together. Um, so thank you. Um, I'm always down at least for a game of cards or uh, just to spend time. So those are some of the more superficial things about me, but as I said, I do have kind of an obsessive personality at times. And so I want to share with you, uh, because I've been asked this already, this idea of vision. What is the vision of Our Lady Queen of All Saints? And the answer is, I don't know. Because to have vision as a leader is to assume that people will follow and that a vision then necessarily has to be collaborative. I have to know what matters to you and you have to know what matters to me and ultimately we both have to know what matters to God. And so I don't want to be a kind of leader that uh, goes in one direction and never looks back to see where you are. With that in mind, I will start that conversation of vision by telling you what matters uh, to me and I hope at least that it matters to God. So I want to look at this through the lens of our patroness of this church, Mary. Um, Mary in three dimensions. How Mary is the one who offers her son she is the one who forms her son in the womb, and she is the one who is the queen of the communion of saints in eternity. She offers her son. She forms her son in her womb, and she is the queen of the communion of saints in eternity. First, Mary offers her son. She offers her son in the most perfect and holistic way. From the very beginning of her son's life, she receives from the prophet Simeon that a sword will pierce her own heart. She knows that her son is going to die. And so she raises her son in the law to now offer her at the crucifixion. And she does this in obedience to God. So what does that mean? The worship of God through the obedience to the church matters. It matters to me. The worship of God through the obedience of the church. Because it mattered to Mary. So that the way this is going to express itself is primarily in the Mass and in the confessional. Within the Mass. Eucharistic reverence means a great deal. Because as the church uh, says, and as Christ has said at the Last Supper, this is his body, blood, soul, and divinity which we worship and through which we have eternal life. Without the Eucharist, we have no certitude of sharing in his life for which we are made. And so Eucharistic reverence is a big deal. And what also is a big deal 
is not just receiving the Eucharist or coming to Mass simply to receive, but as Jesus offered himself to the Father and as Mary offered herself to the Father with her Son, coming to Mass simply to offer our entire lives. As Mary offered what was dearest to her, so we offer our very selves to God the Father in the Mass. Reverence in the Mass and the Eucharistic sacrifice is a big deal. Secondly, in the confessional, because we know that the one way in which Jesus provided certitude for the confession of sin, for the absolution of sins, was in the sacrament of confession. When he told his apostles, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained, in John chapter 20, verse 19. That there is a very specific um, direction that Jesus gives for the absolution of sins. It's the only certain way that we know we are reconciled to God and forgiven of our sins. And so confession matters a great deal to me. It matters a great deal to me on a personal note because I'm a sinner. And I go to confession um, frequently, at least, ideally, at least twice a month. Now, with that being said, I'm also very passionate in this regard. I come from a parish where it was not a problem, and oftentimes it actually wasn't enough time, to hear confessions for an hour before every Mass. To expand the confessional times for me is not an issue. It's something that I'm more than willing to do because I'm zealous about having this parish being reconciled to God. And so I will say, in the confessional, um, you're going to get a lot of the same from me. I am pretty straightforward. I'm pretty quick. I'm not curious. I try to be gentle and positive. And I'll give a lot of the same penances that uh, are structured in a certain way. So usually I'll give something like a decade of the rosary that is meditating on a mystery of Christ's life that's revealed through the rosary for a growth in a certain virtue that is opposed to the principal vice or the principal sin that I committed. So that um, I just want to familiarize myself so that there's no fear to walk in the confessional. Another thing, through obedience to the church, and so that you know I'm not having any kind of curiosity or not trying to ask any further questions, is that the church requires that with grave sins, we confess them in kind, but also the number of times. And so it will be a common question for me to ask, if not confess clearly with a grave sin, okay, um, what is the sin, or how many times or how frequently have you committed it? And the reason why the church would ask that is because if we're willing to commit the sin, then we should be willing to confess the sin so that we can receive a total repentance. And so con the confession, sacrament of confession, is something that I'm very passionate about because it is the one certain way that we know we are reconciled to God. The second thing with Mary that I'd like to point out is that Mary formed Jesus in her womb. Second Vatican Council points out that Mary is 
the archetype of the church. She is the model. She is the exemplar. She is the format of the church. And so, because she is the format, and she formed Jesus in her womb, in her womb, so Jesus wants to be formed in us through sanctifying grace. And there are three ways in which that happens that I would like to point out. Intellectually, Jesus wants to be formed in us. Morally, Jesus wants to be formed in us. And spiritually, Jesus wants to be formed within us. So I'll begin with intellectually. Why does this matter? Because there's a real culture within the church that's not a good culture that says, I don't want to think about God unless it's a Sunday morning and I'm going to listen to what Father says, but I don't want to think about that anymore. And I'll do what Father tells me to do and I'll avoid what Father tells me to avoid, but other than that, I'm going to let the culture decide what my worldview is. But the reality is, is that we worship a God who is truth himself and that he provides through the scriptures and the tradition an entire worldview and that as St. Paul says that if we're going to love with the heart of Christ then we must be renewed with putting on the mind of Christ who knows all things through and with and in the Father and so it's my preaching style to be able to not just say do this and avoid that but to give everyone a worldview or a paradigm so as to know God more intimately through the church in the scriptures and in the tradition so that our knowledge of God is not dependent upon one preacher or the next but rather we take on the full richness of the church in all of her history and in expounding the deposit of faith that is given to us through her 2,000-year history. Intellectual formation matters because by it we come to know God and we come to know who we ought to be, which leads me into moral formation. Moral formation. Again, we look at morality very plainly sometimes. What I do, what I ought not to do. And that if I'm I'm doing those things, then I can just do whatever I like. But we believe a very radical thing as Christians. That God became man so that man can become God. That whenever Jesus, in the person of the new Moses brought his disciples up to the top of the mountain to speak his words, the Beatitudes. He was revealing to them the dispositions of his heart, the dispositions of his heart that we could share. What we're saying as Christians, what we're saying as Catholics, is that the very dispositions of Jesus' heart can be ours. And that because of that, we can share in his joy. And so the moral life is this ascent up the mountain of God where we can have eternal life and joy 
beginning now. Because eternal life does not begin simply after death. It begins even now. And so with that in mind, um, it's my preaching style and MO to be able to cultivate virtue. And with that, to not back down from preaching against what cuts us off from eternal life. And so mortal sin. And to speak about that either in veiled terms, if appropriate, or in clear terms, if it needs to be emphasized. And so that is something that I'm passionate about because we are made for eternal life. And through our sins, we can cut ourselves off from that eternal joy. But through living the virtuous life in Christ, he can begin his life within us even now. And then thirdly, to form Christ within ourselves spiritually. The whole reason why the church exists, why God became man so that man can become like God, is so that we can be in intimacy with the Father, in the Son, through the Holy Spirit. So that we can share in God's inner life. This is eternal life, to share in His life. And so it's going to be, it's a temptation for every spiritual father as it is a temptation for every earthly father to replace intimacy with the father with just a bunch of stuff. This is something that I am going to want to keep in check because it's my intention to set the parish on fire without burning it down. Um, So I know that a lot of times we can kind of equalize a parish's success with how many projects are going on. And I, you know, do intend to grow the parish materially, but not to lose sight of what we're here for. We are here to share in the inner life of God. It's something that's promised to us. Every one of us can. It is this, the promise that Jesus gives us. And so to emphasize, as Jean-Paul II says, a culture or a school of prayer within this church, that we should all be praying in a way that we can attune ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And I would like to equip the parish gradually with that and the culture necessary to do so. And to be held accountable myself. I'm coming out of a... um, an assignment where I had led a small group of guys um, that got up to about 50 men that met three days a week so that we could keep it a small group instead of one big group. But that everyone, including myself, because I needed it, because no one checks up on a priest's spiritual life, had to commit to praying 30 minutes a day and fasting once a week. So offering things like that so that there can be a culture of prayer which changes the whole dynamic of the parish and allows us to be attuned to God and so be more united to one another. Which leads me to my third and final point, that Mary is the queen of the communion of saints. This idea of community. Community matters to me as well. None of us are called to an individual, private 
relationship with God. None of us are called to that. We receive the faith from the church, and so we are called to the fellowship of the church. I am uh, more leaning towards, I would rather be overwhelmed with company uh, than bored and lonely. Um, I would prefer to be radically available than unavailable. I as well know how important it is that if we are united in Christ as a church, that we can be welcoming to others who are seeking Christ and not an insular kind of club. And so community matters to me, as it mattered to the Apostle John, who longed that those that know Christ could also share fellowship with them. What that looks like um, in this particular parish, again, I don't know yet. That is for a collaborative vision. But I know that the Lord is calling us to it because um, he baptizes us as sons of his, which makes us uh, communally a family, brothers and sisters. And so, in conclusion, um, what matters to me is hopefully, what I am pretty certain, what matters to our patroness Mary. That Mary is the one who offers her son in right worship and obedience to God. And so the worship of God in the obedience to the church, particularly in the matters of the Mass and the confessional, that she is the one who forms Christ in her own womb as Christ is formed in us through grace, intellectually, morally, and spiritually. And she is the queen of the communion of saints as she is the one who reigns over that eternal communion and how she desires to establish that communion among us as well.